Shabbat Shalom. We're going to be in the second part of Romans chapter 8 this week, but before we dig in, um, this is the last week to sign up before Passover, so if you want to come to the Passover celebration that we have here in Salem, Oregon, also we have one in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and where? Brownsville, Texas. You can sign up at TorahToTheTribes.com or shoot us an email at info at TorahToTheTribes.com. So only one more week um, before the registration is closed. So let's jump in. Before we do, though, turn to Romans chapter 8 and um, verse 16, part 2 this week. Um, I inadvertently last week stepped on a landmine. So we're not actually going to get too many verses into chapter 8 this week, past verse 16, because of the landmine that I inadvertently stepped on. We got a little bit of pushback this week, so I think I need to spend more time talking and teaching about the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh in the Hebrew. Last week I made a statement about the Holy Spirit being she, female, and then I just moved right on. So that was the landmine. So today we're going to spend some time looking, jumping off of the base text, Romans 8.16, for why I said that. But historians will tell us, historians will tell us that The strength of a nation is dependent upon the spirit that drives that nation. After the Second World War in Germany, historians will tell you that there was an overshadowing spirit of oppression on a defeated people. That that nation had a broken spirit from which it has, in fact, never recovered. Now, we know from Genesis chapter 11 that Yahuwah disinherited the nations. And he put them under the authority of governing Elohim, gods. And those gods have spirits. And those spirits can affect your family and you can have familiar spirits. But we live in a time now, especially in regards to the things that happened in London last week. We live in a time now where nations, spirits, are influencing the nations. And the spirits that are influencing the nations are of a very, very dark and fallen nature. And it is only getting worse and worse. And the strength of a nation is only as strong as the spirit of the people within that nation. And if that is so, according to what we know, then how much more for believers that the strength of believers is only as much as what? The Holy Spirit within the believers. And how the Holy Spirit enables believers to interact and react with one another. So, before Passover, I don't think there is a better time on which we can really think and delve into the Holy Spirit. Because knowledge puffs up. 
But the Holy Spirit is what draws us, what comforts us, and when the nations are being affected, and the nation that we live in, by these overshadowing, as Paul says, dark principalities, how much more do we need to understand the Spirit that is to govern us, the Holy Spirit in the Hebrew, the Ruach HaKodesh. So I think that it was good that I stepped on that landmine last week because now in time for preparation for Passover, we need to what? Really seek the Holy Spirit. So Romans chapter 8 verse 16. Pay attention to the translation and pay attention when you're fellowshipping with one another in the Holy Spirit that you ask one another what your different translations say. Because this is a foundational text for understanding the Holy Spirit. But we've got to beware of the funky monks that always get in and corrupt the text. The Spirit herself doth testify with our spirit that we are Benai Yahuwah, the children of Yahuwah. And if children, we're also heirs, heirs indeed of Elohim and heirs together of Messiah. If indeed we suffer together, that we may also be glorified together. Now, when I read that translation, the Spirit herself doth testify. And that can be really hard for people. Because we live in this society where theologians, men, have taken control and taken the reins. And so therefore, the texts have been corrupted. But I want to go back for when myself, 1996, I was an idolater. I I knew nothing. But I got invited to a congregation the first time in years. And I sat there as an unregenerate man, full of darkness, death, and destruction. And the pastor was giving a message out of the book of Matthew. I didn't know anything about anything. But all I know is at some point, the pastor spoke a word and asked if anybody in that congregation, it was a congregation of hundreds, wanted to accept the work of redemption of the Messiah in their lives. And at that point, literally, I'm not joking, my heart started to pound like a drum. And I heard the voice calling me. And I shot up out of my chair. I was oblivious to anybody around me. And in absolute desperation, because the voice was calling me, I shot forward and I'm like, yes. And I felt the power. It just knocked me back of the Holy Spirit enter into me to confirm what was happening there. And the comfort, the comfort that I felt as a 24-year-old man that literally in a moment, in the instant, in a twinkling of an eye was transformed from death to life. And from that point on, 
I have to tell you now, in hindsight looking back, on my relationship with the governing Holy Spirit, it was the relationship of a child, me, with a mother. The Holy Spirit is a mother because she comforted me. She did not condemn me when I still had those sinful behaviors, but there was a conviction and a comforting and a drawing to the Son. Because the Son, think about this in a house, the Son is a lot less of an intimidating relationship to have if you're a child, then all of a sudden, you're going to go in and go and meet the father of the house. So for many years, my relationship was based upon the mother drawing me to the son. I think I need a little volume. Something happened there, didn't it? Anyway, so the mother drawing me to the son. And as I matured in the word and the washing of the word, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the mother, was more and more and more in my life. I would sometimes go out and do some pretty terrible sinning when I was first saved. And I would come back feeling absolutely just broken and convicted Now, a tyrant would cast you off, but the mother, the Holy Spirit, would always draw me in, and still does, in a nurturing, washing, and cleansing way of restoration and bring me back to the Son. I didn't really understand the relationship with the Father until I had come through much sanctification. Because the relationship with Yahuwah, the Father, is a relationship of extreme responsibility and sanctification. Now, the Jews, traditional Judaism, has got it the wrong way round. Because they've rejected the Son, they've blasphemed the Holy Spirit by attributing the Spirit that was upon Yahushua to a shad, a demon, and therefore they've tried to bypass the whole family structure and go directly to the Father. And if you deny the Son, you what? You do not have the Father also. So we can see the brokenness if we don't understand the family structure. So what I'm about to share today, it really isn't that shocking when you and I examine, in all honesty, the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit in our, in our lives. And if somebody would have communicated this to me in 1996, I think I would have had a greater understanding of the comfort, the drawing, the mothering, the nurturing, and the sanctification that was happening in my life. Now, down the road, I can look back, and hindsight, of course, is 2020, because I have had much washing in the Word. The Spirit herself doth testify with our spirit that we are the children of Yahuwah. 
So I want to bring some more information today about the Holy Spirit. Because the mystery, and it shouldn't be a mystery, whether the Holy Spirit should be regarded as a he or a she, is resolved when you look, even in the Latin, you can see the Latin word for the Holy Spirit is spiritus. The Latin is spiritus. It translates the neuter, non-sex, the neuter, Greek, pneuma or pneuma, which of course is a translation of the Hebrew ruach, which is always female. So the Ruach, which is always female in the Tanakh, the Old Testament, it comes into the Latin as the Spiritus, or it comes into the neuter tense in the Greek of Pneuma. And this is where we have the problems. Even for those that like the Aramaic, and some do, You can go to the Peshitta Aramaic and you'll find that the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, is translated as a female being, a she. Here, in fact, in the 16th verse, in the Aramaic Peshitta text and the older, less corrupted old Syriac text, it reads thus, and she... The Spirit gives testimony to our spirit that we are sons of Elohim. Fancy that. So this is what causes so much friction with theologians, especially the funky monks, you know. I mean, those are the very monks that are running around in skirts chasing boys around the belfry. I mean, yeah, I don't know. But this does cause a lot of friction with the classic Trinitarian model or the third member of the Godhead has to be a male. But it isn't so. It simply isn't so. Because within the Old Testament, the spirit is always ruach and female. Now, in the Greek New Testament, it's either male or neuter, which to me creates a huge contradiction. No one can have three genders, unless you live in Hollywood. But nobody can have three genders. It's kind of sad, but, you know, nowadays we're even questioning that, right? But then at least let's have the label on the bathroom, he, she, or it. Okay? The it's go in there. He, she, or it. Because that's what the English language allows us to have. As we can go back to the Greek. You can have male, female, or neuter. You want to be neutered, then you go in the it store. Terrible that you'd have to say such things, but what a world that we're living in. But the problem, again, lies with the funky monks. Because English has the three genders, masculine, feminine, and neuter. He, she, and it. And there lies the problem. Hebrew and Aramaic, they have no neuter gender. There is no it. Everything is either a he or a she. Simplifies life somewhat, doesn't it? Simplifies life somewhat. That's what we should stick with. But our language has caused such confusion that now it's even confusing the sexes. Because there's such confusion with the language. Is that me? Might be. Let me check my microphone here. 
All right. Is that me? I think it was me. I wasn't plugged in properly. So it's no wonder we've got so many it's walking around when the language gets so confused like that. I mean, some of our biggest cultural drawbacks that we have nowadays are due to what? Previous generations not bringing the teachings from the Old Testament through to their proper place in the New Testament. If we had done our due diligence as believers and brought the teachings from the Old Testament through to their proper rightful place in the New Testament, we wouldn't have half the cultural problems that we have today. Sex, marriage, infanticide. We wouldn't have these problems because we'd see that the construction, the instruction of Yahweh follows through into our New Testament lifestyle and the culture that we live in today. So really, as believers, we've done a terrible disservice by not explaining to the nations the habits that we should be performing in sexuality, how we should be honoring the womb, how we should be treating children. Because we have decided, well, that's in the Old Testament. But no, it must find its proper place in the teachings within the New Testament. And the Holy Spirit is just another case and point where now we've got an it. And now we have people walking around in our generation as it's. Which 20 years ago, we would have thought impossible. But now it's supposed to be commonly acceptable. And you literally deal with it in the workplace. In the workplace. The Hebrew word is ruach. The Aramaic, rucha. And it's grammatically feminine, just as the phrase ruach hakodesh, the Holy Spirit, is grammatically feminine. Now, Again, like I said, even the role of the Holy Spirit, she's a comforter. Read John chapter 14, 15, and 16 in your own time. That's feminine attributes of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah, in the 66th chapter, in the 12th verse, is beautiful. Read it in your own time. He describes the Holy Spirit, how she takes Zion upon her lap, just like a mother nurturing and drawing her as a mother would put a child on a very lap. So the gender of the Holy Spirit has been revised. And these revisions have affected the culture. And when, when the nations are under such influence of oppressive and demonic spirits, there is no more time brethren, than today, before Passover, when we need to really be pressing in to the Holy Spirit. Because when the nations are being oppressed, it is the Holy Spirit that is going to guide and convict and lead us. Don't go down that street, go down this street. And if you don't believe that, then you haven't pressed into the Spirit enough because the Holy Spirit, she will guide you in making decisions that could save your very, very life or someone close to you. And this is the problem, the revision of the genders in the New Testament. 
And again, as we go into this more, we'll find out. Even the pronouns used for the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, in John chapter 14, 15, and 16, in the Peshitta, in the Aramaic, they've all been monked with. And you can actually see the false pen, as Jeremiah says, beware of the false pen of the scribe. You can see the false pen of the funky monks in those chapters in the Aramaic. Because both the Peshitta and the Old Syriac have he in John 16, 8, showing the hand of the scribe that's changed it. But then, if you go further down in the old Syriac text, it has see, um, excuse me, she, just a few verses later in chapter 16, verse 13. While the Peshitta has he. But then, even a little bit later, you see that the monks missed a spot. Because in another passage in which the Peshitta pairs the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, with the feminine verbs or feminine modifiers all over the place. So it's not even consistent in how they messed with the text. And you can see that. You can see the false pen of the scribe. Translators of messing with our view of the mother, the Holy Spirit. And again, the Holy Spirit is a living, conscious being. Not some mystical, you know, figure or way off, but a living, conscious being. The manifest power of Yahuwah. I've got some feedback up here too. What is it? Is it me? It's very off-putting. Can you come up, somebody? What is it? Something in the monitors. It's a spirit. Static. It is static. What do you think that is? I don't think it's me. I like it. They all start panicking in the back room there. It stopped. It's all right, it's all right. Stay calm, everybody. It's cool. Let's come back. I'll let them panic. I'll continue on. But the Holy Spirit is a living, conscious being. The manifest, the very manifest power of Yahuwah. She leads us. She guides us. She instructs us. She teaches us in the way of all truth. John 14, 26. Luke chapter 12, verse 12. She actually shows personality. Personality. So therefore what? Then we know that she understands. If she has personality, she must understand. Romans chapter 8 verse 27, specifically in the Aramaic. She has a will. She wills things. Acts chapter 13 um, and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And again, specifically in the Aramaic, you can really see that. She can be grieved grieved Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 these terms would be absolutely senseless wouldn't they if they were to be implied um, implied to some impersonal being that had no power or influence would be senseless 
to attribute such strong words. But the Old Testament always teaches the Holy Spirit as feminine. Always. It's not a mystery. Now, I love it back in, I believe it's Numbers chapter 11. Chapter 11, yes it is. Chapter 11, verse 25. I mean, many New Testament congregations, you know, you'll get the Pentecostal movement and you'll get speaking in tongues and and some people are opposed to that and some people are for it. And then there's all kinds of people that have taken it and, you know, done silly things with it. But if we go back to the Torah, if we go back to the Old Testament, we will always find the root on how we are supposed to act and that we should have brought it forward into the New Testament and then we wouldn't have got all of this Pentecostal waywardness because we'd still have the instructions from the Father to guide us in how to operate in the Spirit in a proper and decent manner. Not barking like a dog, not doing all of these things that are totally unbiblical, but truly operating in the Spirit. And people ask me, is speaking in tongues, is that biblical? Actually, it's from the Torah, Numbers Torah portion, Numbers chapter 11, verse 25. You may remember, but the Hebrew word here that we're going to find is that there was the Spirit came upon Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, and then the Spirit was taken off of Moses, and it was put upon the 70 elders of Israel, and the Hebrew says they began to nabah. They began to nabah, the Hebrew word there, meaning they poured forth words of praising. They poured forth words of edification, prophecy. They sang songs, songs that had a divine power base to them, sometimes in a language unknown to the speaker. Tongues. Right there in Numbers chapter 11, verse 25. In fact, the Torah portion is called Be'chalokata. And guess when that is read? That is the Torah portion that is read immediately after Pentecost, after Shavuot in the traditional annual cycle. That's not a coincidence. Right after Shavuot, in the traditional cycle that Judaism has read the Torah for thousands of years, the very next Torah portion is Bechalochata, where the Spirit brings forth the uttering of tongues because it's taken off Moses and put on the 70 elders. This is how we're to learn and understand the Bible from its base Old Testament through to the prophets, and then the New Testament confirming what has gone forth before, but is now empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's not something new. It's maybe new to you, but it's empowered and a multiplication because now you have the whole family. You've got the father, the mother, And the Son has enabled you to come into the house so that you can bring forth multiple children. This is the gospel message. And I love to study the scripture that way because it is safe. And I'm not a scaredy cat, but I do not like to be abused by religious men chasing me around the belfry in skirts. Neither should you. So really, we have to, you know, we won't go there. But anyway... 
I did get locked up in a boarding school for several years when I was younger. But her name is what? Sophia. That's a girl's name, isn't it? But we could hide that and we could just say wisdom. But no, in the Septuagint, her name is Sophia. It's a translation of the Hebrew Chokmah. Chokmah, of course, does mean wisdom. But we can lose so much in translation. Transliteration. Thank you. Can you imagine calling your daughter Hokma? Hey, Hokma. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1. Doth not Sophia cry aloud and prudence put forth her voice? Standing in the top of the highest places, by the way, in the midst of the paths. So the Holy Spirit, Sophia, she's going to draw you by calling you with her voice. That's exactly what happened to me. And then where is she going to stand? In the broad way that leads to destruction? No, she's going to stand where? On the narrow road that leads. It just said it right there. That was the first verse I ever, re- ever, ever rem- um, remembered. Whatever. In the midst of the paths, that's where the Holy Spirit is. On the narrow road that leads to life, and few shall find it. Beside the gates of the city, in the very doors she speaketh, saying, O ye men, to you I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O little ones, understand subtly, and ye unwise, take notice. Hear, for I will speak of great things, and my lips shall be opened to preach right things. My mouth shall meditate truth, and my lips shall hate all wickedness. John chapter 5 verse 6 tells us that she is what? She is all truth. John chapter 16, verse 13. When she, the spirit of truth, has come, she will lead you in all truth. In Romans chapter 8, verse 2. The spirit of truth is the spirit of life. But again, all this monkeying around with the genders has caused such confusion that when I just stated that offhand last week... It's like you stepped on a minefield. Oh, you can't just say that. So shocking, but it really shouldn't be shocking if we're in the scripture. Proverbs chapter 8, there's nothing masculine about it. Is there? But now let's go on and look a little bit further down and turn to Proverbs Mishle in the Hebrew, chapter 8, verse 22. Because mistakenly, many a Christian theologian has attributed Proverbs chapter 8 to who? Well, Proverbs chapter 8, that's all about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Jesus. But it's not. It's not about Jesus. But that is how common Christian theologians have attributed Proverbs chapter 8. Because they don't understand that it's talking about Sophia, the female Holy Spirit, the mother. It's not talking about Jesus, the son. 
It's talking about the Holy Spirit, the mother. So now we can put it in its proper place because we're no longer confusing the genders. And we live in a culture of confused genders and broken households. And the father takes us all the way back to the first letter in the whole of the Bible. Get your house in order. There is a father There is a mother who brings forth a son, and that son goes out and brings forth many other children, and you are the Benai Yahweh. The children of Yahweh come into the house and keep the rules of the household. If you want to go and follow the gods of the world and do that, the gods of the nations, then Yahweh will disinherit you, and he will not let you into his land, and he will not let you into his house. But if you're a follower of the Father because you've met the Son on a narrow road that leads to life, then you only have one option. Come into his house and gain all of your inheritance. But you want to play both fields. It doesn't work like that. He would rather spit you out. It doesn't work like that in your house. It doesn't work like that in my house. It's certainly not going to work that way in the father's house. But we've made it so bloody complicated when really It's about coming home to your father's house. It's the prodigal son, is it not? It's the prodigal son. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 22. This, of course, is Sophia. It's not talking about Yahushua. Yahuwah possessed me in the beginning of his derek way, before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, before the earth was. When there was no depths, I was brought forth. When there was no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the highest part of the dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree and the waters should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth, Then I was by him as one brought up with him, and I was daily, daily his delight, having rejoiced always before him, having rejoiced in the habitable part of the earth, and my delights were with the sons of men. Now therefore listen to me, O you children of Israel, for blessed are they that guard my ways." Hear discipline and be wise and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that listens to me. We need to be listening to the guiding mother, the Holy Spirit, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and shall obtain favor from Yahuwah. What is this speaking of? This is speaking of the born-again experience, the circumcision of heart, or in the Hebrew, brit milah halev. Whoever finds me, if you find the Holy Spirit, you have found life. You have been converted. But look at this, verse 36. But he that sins against me wrongs his own being. All that they that hate me love death. What's that speaking of? Blaspheming the Holy Spirit. You blaspheme the Holy Spirit? Unforgivable. 
unforgivable, unforgivable, outrageous, unforgivable. If you attribute the Spirit in the Son to a demon, you are now disinherited. I will give this vineyard to another nation, disinherited. That's exactly what happened. You can't go directly to the Father without the Spirit through the Son. I don't care how politically incorrect it is. It's the truth. You just attributed as a nation the Spirit inside of Messiah to a demon. And that is blasphemy unforgivable, you are now disinherited and I will give your possession, your vineyard to those who are not a nation. That's what the scriptures teach. And we are the recipients, the children of Yahuwah, because we met the Spirit on a narrow road that led to life. And she introduced us to the Son who in time, once we have become sanctified and he knows that we are ready, will introduce us to who? His Father. But that's why the neophyte does not get an introduction directly to Yahuwah. None of us did. I remember. You've got to understand, I grew up with the Church of England. I was familiar with Jesus Christ and basic Christian doctrine. We had religious education as part of our school curriculum. There's no separation of church and state in England. So Christianity, old Christianity from the time of Reformation has permeated the culture. But when I met the Holy Spirit and she drew me at that time of testimony, I told you, then I went to church and after a while I was like, it's kind of weird, all these American Christians, they're just, it's like they're, singing to Jesus. And it was all about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I was like, what about the Father? Because you wouldn't hear anything about the Father. The yod hey wah It was all about Christ and Jesus and worshiping Jesus. And after a while, I was like, hmm, that, that was a little different for me. And people assured me that it was okay. But that was a little different for me, coming from a Church of England background, even though I was an infidel, as many are, of course, from the Church of England and Episcopalian background, as they are in many others. But all that to say this, we need to understand the role of the Holy Spirit because now look what we find in the 36th verse of Proverbs chapter 8. But he that sins against me wrongs his own being. All that hate me love death. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So fear or Hokmah in the Hebrew, has built her house. She has cut out its seven pillars. She has killed her beasts. She has mingled her wine. There's no confusion on the genders here. She has also furnished her table. You can't be attributing this to Yahusha. This is why it's problematic, do you understand, for traditional theologians. She has sent forth her young women. She utters upon the highest places of the city. The Old Testament wisdom is the female personage of Sophia. The Greek translation of the Hebrew, Sophia, of course, a translation of Chokmah. 
the female personification of wisdom in the Torah. She's not some new age goddess or some kind of hippy-dippy chick thing. No, this is real biblical understanding the text. She is a real biblical person. In fact, there is more material more material on her in the Old Testament before the American Bible Society got hold of the scriptures and chucked out, you know. How many books did they chuck out in 1857? All of the wisdom books, right? They chucked them out, you know. So I'm not into giving to the American Bible Society, quite honestly. I mean, they come and knock him once in a while, but then you look at the history and you're like, well, I don't know about this. But she has more material written on her in the Old Testament before the American Bible Society got a hold of it, except for there's more reference material about only Yahuwah, Job, Moses, and David. Apart from that, it's all about Sophia. Tons of material in the wisdom literature. You're going to have to go to a Catholic church and grab hold of one of their Bibles. But just don't go into the belfry because you could get in trouble. <laughs> but the reason, one of the reasons that we skip over the name Sophia in the readings, even in the readings of the Old Testament, is that the English translates it again into wisdom and then you lose that female personage, right? But it's Sophia. It's definitely feminine, whereas the English certainly isn't. Investigate her femininity in the wisdom books, in the Apocrypha, which, of course, we can find a lot of information about her. Sophia was considered to have been with Yahuwah, as we can see in Proverbs chapter 8, from the very beginning of creation. Sophia says in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 27. When Yahweh set the heavens in place, I was present. Sophia, in the biblical creation, she's the breath, the spirit of Yahweh. She serves at the very heart of the whole creative process. And when you and I got converted, what did we become? A new creation. So doesn't it serve that the spirit, Sophia, is going to be at the very heart, the converted heart of your new created being? The Bible tells you she is at the heart of the creative process with the natural creation. And as you and I become a new creation, she's supposed to be at the very heart of our creative, molding, growing, and sanctifying process. Because Sophia is the teacher sent by Yahuwah to draw his children unto himself. And the book of wisdom speaks of her divinity. She's the breath of Yahuwah's power. She's the pure, undefiled stream of his glory. And this is why nothing polluted can enter into her. And when you start to go off like I did when I first was a neophyte, off sinning, and get polluted, there was extreme heavy conviction. Extreme. I remember one time, because of my crazy lewd background, and then I came into the faith, I was so zealous, and I still am. I remember going into the mall. I remember walking right into Victoria's Secret, walking right up to the front, 
women everywhere. And I'm like, this is outrageous. There are little girls walking by here and look what you should all be. And people are, oh. See, because the background that I came from, that was all part of my repentive process. The Holy Spirit convicts you to walk in purity. And there is no other time before Passover when we need to what? Clean our house. Amen. So this is a very, very important message for an important people for an important time in light of the terrible things that happened in London this week look at the spirits that are on the nations look at the spirit that is on this nation it's a dark spirit it's a dangerous spirit and it is alive it's real it's not mysticism these are living Elohim with manifest fallen spirits, principalities that Paul talks about, that are at work upon people and upon nations. And I know many people have great hopes for the new president in this country, but you cannot be sidelined to think that all of a sudden there's a change of spirit and that we're now under the leadership in this nation of the Holy Spirit, Sophia, because we are not. The people need to be. That's why I, 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 I'm telling you now, I'm trying to find the words. Spirit, give me the words. Holy Spirit, give me the words. Truly, we must press in because we have to be a people that are filled with the Holy Spirit because she is the breath, the power, and the very, very cleanliness, sanctification of the Father. She mirrors Yahweh's energy completely and she should mirror his energy completely in you and I because she images Yahweh's goodness, his tifereth, his glory, creation. Back in creation, she was there from the beginning and we know that Eve was taken out of Adam. Why? Because that follows the very, very image of Yahuwah, just as the Holy Spirit, Sophia, was taken out of the Father in heaven. It's a basar echad, a one flesh. Does that make sense? If we're made, think about it, if we're made in Yahuwah's image, then man was made in the image of, think about it, if we're made in Yahweh's image, then man was made in the image of the Son, and woman was made in the image of who? The woman was made in the image of the Holy Spirit. Male and female, besar echad. It's a plural echad one. And now you're understanding it without the egg shell or the, what's the other silly thing? Water, steam, and ice. I mean, Trinity? I mean, what? We're talking Bible here and you're giving me a cooking class? Now we're going into the deep freeze? I, I never could understand that. Take me back to the scripture and explain to me what the 
Godhead is, and I can understand it. But take me into the freezer, and I'm very confused. I just want a popsicle. I'm sorry, but, you know, I didn't have the training many of you did from a child. It was all very strange when they started talking to me about the Trinity and giving me an egg. I mean, I, I wasn't up for the church barbecues on a Sunday anyway with all the egg salad sandwiches. That's just a weird thing to me. Crying out loud. And why would they always have to put pork in the beans? Messing up my Heinz baked beans with pork and beans. Let me continue on. See, now there's the feedback again. I think you guys are doing it in the back. Is this to keep me online? Okay, Jonathan. But we can find, if we go back to the creation, Yahuwah created the family unit. Of course, Bet is the first letter in the whole of the scriptures, and the Bet in the Hebrew paleo language, you can look at it, the pictographic language, it's a house, because Yahuwah creates a house. It's about a family unit, and it's a reflection of the male, and then the female bringing forth a son who begets many children, the Benai Yahweh, the children of Yahweh. How could Adam, think about it, leave his parents and cleave to his wife if he was created from a single parent structure? This is the way my mind thinks anyway. Let us make man in our own image. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 30 says this, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his mother and father, and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become besar echad, one flesh. This is a great sowed. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning the Messiah and the Israelite congregation about this mystery. That we must be what? We, have I got sound? Okay. We must be what? We must actually, the scripture tells us, be born of water and the spirit, meaning we must enter the womb of the Holy Spirit to be born again. That's the great mystery. To call on Messiah, think about it, to call on Messiah causes us to receive her. When you call on Messiah, when I called on Messiah, that caused me to receive her, the Holy Spirit. And then at that point, I was sealed in her womb. I was sealed in her womb where Yahweh placed his seed in us. And then that seed is germinated how? By the washing of the word. And we are conceived, as Scripture says, from water and the Spirit. It's germination. That's John chapter 5, verse 25. That's the mystery that he's talking about in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 30, is the born-again experience and how that really happens. It's a whole germinating process, and by their fruit, you shall know them. If you crack open the fruit and there's no seed, they are not of him. That's how you can tell if it's a true conversion. You've gone through the whole germination process. And eventually, you'll come into the presence of the Father and be welcomed back within the whole house. This is the mysteries of Messiah. 
the personage of the Holy Spirit. The mystery of Messiah is that he left his father and his mother to cleave to his wife, which is his priesthood. That's the mystery right there. And the profundity of it is just outstanding. Can I have some more volume? I feel like I'm, I've got none. Or maybe I've got no feedback. Things are just a disarray up here today. I'm okay. 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 I can do it. But this Holy Spirit journey experience is so powerful. But we must understand the differences between being converted and the Holy Spirit at conversion and then being filled with the Holy Spirit, especially in light of the nations. Because you know, as Satan, Satan can't create anything. But what he does is he does what? He counterfeits it. And the biggest counterfeit, that we can look at the counterfeit, sure, but really we want to look at the pure gem. A a gemologist will always study the real thing because then when the counterfeit comes along, why study the counterfeit? But we do have an example of the counterfeit in Scripture. Remember in Mark chapter 5, I think it's right near the beginning. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. There's the man. This is fabulous. Turn in, turn in your Bibles. I believe it's Mark chapter 5, verse 1. It's the man at the Gadarenes. This one, I love it. If you read the text, it's like, well, that makes no sense. Read it. It says, I'm paraphrasing here from memory, that Yahushua was, was going to the Gadarenes. There's this man that's possessed by demons. And they bound him with chains. It says that. And then the very next verse, it says, but they couldn't bind him. What? It's like they totally contradict within like two verses. Doesn't it say that? No one could bind him. Something along those lines. And then like the very next verse, because he had often been bound. Hang on a minute. Does it say that? They bound him with chains. And, and then some translations it said, but then nobody could bind him. So what's going on? Right here is telling you in the demonic realm, the difference between oppression and possession. When the deem, when the man was oppressed by demons, he could be bound. But when he was possessed, overcome with demons, nobody could bind him. That's the difference. People that are walking in the demonic realm are always oppressed. But at times... They react, and that's a full-on possession. And you can tell the difference if you've worked in spiritual warfare and seen that type of thing. They're always oppressed. And you can bind them. You can communicate, and you can even have dialogue with them about the Scripture. They're oppressed. But if they're full-on possessed, you cannot even bind them. That is fasting and prayer that can only break through that stronghold. Amen. Amen. 
Now, where does that counterfeit in the satanic realm? We can see the difference now if we look at the truth in the Holy Spirit. There's the difference between when we come into the faith that we are converted, we meet the Holy Spirit on the narrow road that leads to life. The mother draws us now because we've accepted her son and she now draws us into the house to get ready in preparation through sanctification and much washing in the word for the introduction to Yahweh the Father. But you're not going to meet the Father on day one because you're not ready. You are not ready for his presence, are we? It took us some time to learn about the Father. Now, the difference between the born-again experience and what the Scripture says is being filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. Exodus chapter 28, verse 3. Let's look at this as a foundational text because it's going to teach us the difference between being filled and the Holy Spirit experience. Exodus chapter 28, verse 3. So you shall speak to all who are gifted artisans, whom I have filled with the spirit of Sophia, with the spirit of Hokmah, with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garment to consecrate him that he may minister to me as a priest. The Hebrew word here, fulfilled, is malay or malah, and it means to accomplish, to confirm, to consecrate, to furnish, replenish, and overflow. And this corresponds to a divine appointing. It's a divine appointing. Now, the disciples were everywhere, it says in Acts chapter 13, verse 52, that the disciples were everywhere filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So there is a time where as believers, we once we come into the faith and we are converted, is the Holy Spirit with us. The Holy Spirit, she is always with us. Now, the counterfeit is the person who is demonically oppressed. But at times, when we draw close, we can have a malay, a filling and an overflowing of the Holy Spirit that no one can touch us. No one can touch us. That's the anointing that you and I will need in these last days. That no one, oh, we're always, we're in a battle daily. But you need the kind of filling where you can literally, like the Spirit tells us, enemies of Yahweh, struck and blind. Done. Struck and blind. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what the Holy Spirit can do. She can strike your enemies blind and literally get you through the roadblock. Those illegal checkpoints that they're setting up. Strike them blind. I've actually had that happen to me. Where I have literally, literally walked through checkpoints 
and nobody's seen me. Nobody's seen me. Amazing. I'm like, wow. The impossible made possible. The impossible made possible. Now I'm a U.S. citizen. Amazing things. Amazing things. There are five, ten, fifteen, fifteen fruits of that spirit filling, that malay in the Hebrew, that confirmation consecration and overflowing. Number one, you must, you must be in Yahweh's sovereign will. Number two, wisdom. She will give you wisdom, knowledge, understanding in your creative skills for whatever your particular calling is in the body of Messiah. Number three, you will have the spirit of Elijah put upon you for the reconciliation of the nations in these days, which is drawing people back to what we're communicating here at Torah to the tribes. Number four, the Holy Spirit, that filling, will lead you in a powerful communication of the word and accurate prophecy. Now, prophecy isn't some kind of weird thing out there. Prophecy means that you are speaking and communicating the word and will of Yahuwah. You're prophesying. Speaking his word and his will to the people. Number four, Sophia, number five, excuse me, Sophia, she will give you chesed in the Hebrew, grace, grace, But the grace is always supposed to draw you into the house so that you can learn the house manners of the Father. Not grace to lawlessness, but grace means that you will come and sit at the master's table because you understand the rules of the household. Number six, Sophia will lead you in visions, inspired dreams and prophecies, especially those of the gray hair in these last days. Or the bald-headed that would have gray hair if they had hair. Number seven, Sophia will empower uneducated and untrained men like myself to preach the gospel with boldness. If you had told me in 1996 I would be doing this, I would have said, no way. I am not skilled, not trained. I can't do that. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Number eight, she will lead to an echad, a plurality, oneness of unity within the truth in the body of Messiah. Number nine, she will lead you to have a desire to place all of your material goods, the tithe, within the common apostolic control of the body of Messiah. You will have all of your what? Goods together together. Wealth in common under apostolic control. 
And we see number 10, Sophia, she will bring healing to the sick and those that have affirmities. Number 11, she will prompt the neophyte to get immersed, baptized. New believers, they're going to want to get baptized. The Holy Spirit will draw you to mikvah. Number 12, she will impart the power to render the infidel blind. Blind. Number 13, she will fill you with joy. And if we don't have enough joy, and sometimes I find myself lacking joy, I have to be honest with you, as we all do, it's hard out there, then that means we need to be what? In the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because where the Holy Spirit is, there is a joy. Where two or more are gathered there, so am I. Thank you so much. And number 14, she leads to thanksgiving, praise, and worship in spiritual song. And finally, number 15, the Holy Spirit will lead to mutual submission. Submission of wives to husbands in all things, and husbands submitting to the love and care of their wives. Look what it says in Joel. We'll finish up with Joel. What a prophetic book. Chapter 2, verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my ruach, my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. There's that same Hebrew word that was back in Numbers chapter 11, speaking of in tongues. The Hebrew word nabar, to prophesy. Your old men shall dream. The Hebrew word there is chalam. Chalam. It means that your health will be restored. You'll be healthy so that you can view the prophetic. You'll be a visionary. You will become like a fattened child before Yahweh. And some of you older guys are saying, yeah, I'm feeling like a fattened child before (laughs) Yahweh. I can't eat what I used to eat when I was 24. But that's not what it's talking about. But I know some of you are feeling that. And I'm not looking at anyone whatsoever. And it goes on here to say, that you will have dreams, that your young men shall see visions. The Hebrew word there is hisiaon, and it means to be put in an ecstatic state where you will receive divine communication. And verse 29, and also upon the avadim, the servants, and upon the female servants in those days will I pour out my Holy Spirit. You see, Yahweh, I believe, wants to show us our calling. And there's no better time than before Passover. Yahweh wants us all to speak the same word. And the way we speak the same word is by being governed by the same spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. We're not to speak persuasive words. We're not to speak anything but that by the demonstration of the Holy Spirit herself. And we're to put on our faith. Yahweh wants us to put on our faith. Not He doesn't want us to put on the wisdom of men. That's going to fail you. It's the Holy Spirit that is going to be the one that will empower you. Yahweh wants us to listen to hidden wisdom because that's called in the Hebrew, sod chokmah. 
Yahuwah wants your revelation and my revelation, not to become by logic and intellect and reason, but by the Holy Spirit. Because the natural man won't understand what you and I are saying. How many times have you communicated, tried to communicate your faith with the natural man? And they're like, no concept. Because they are so entrenched in carnality. No concept. The natural man does not understand the workings of Sophia. But Sophia will instruct the minds of Yahweh's children. We're to be servants and stewards of these great mysteries. We're, we're to allow Yahweh to bring to light the hidden things of darkness in our lives at this time before Passover. That's the greatest work of the Holy Spirit is to bring to light those hidden things of darkness in our lives and to reveal the counsel of our hearts. And we have to be ready to receive that. I know that we really do. We have to give heed to ourselves to not give heed to what? Wicked imaginations. In this day and age, when everything is so fast and emails, and I, th- I, I mean, I've had so many... People say to me, and it's, it, I won't say that, but people say to me, they, they read a text, you know, and they're like, they put all this emotion into it. I'm like, it's a text. Just shoot back the text. Well, I think that, I'm like, there's no emotion in it. Don't read, it is a communication device. If you are having emotion about something, It's called call them up and arrange a face-to-face. Because when I text, any of you guys text me, I know Brother John and I do a fair bit of emailing. It's like, cheers, see ya, thanks a lot. (laughs) I mean, back and forth, bye. I mean, I'm not one for like, oh, my darling, maybe I should. But maybe that would be good for me. Maybe I should, my wife will be coming in in a minute, yeah. You know, I'm not one for the emojis and all that. But, you know, you, you're not supposed to be having these wicked imaginations in a day and age where there is so much electronic communication. You can put too much thought into things that simply are not there. And the Hebrew Scriptures tell us in those instances we need to get panaim el panaim, face to face with a brother. Are we okay? Is there a problem? Let us pray together. Because by communicating panayim al panayim, we will not get wicked imaginations. We are are to lay aside our might. We are to expose our weaknesses so we can put to shame sin and the foolishness that is going to try and infiltrate amongst us as believers. That's the spirit of the world. And we don't want that spirit in here as we need to truly reflect before Passover on the Holy Spirit. Because the kingdom of Yahweh isn't word. The kingdom of Yahweh is power. And Yahweh is the only one that will bring forth the increase. First, there's a planting, but now there is a time for the overflowing of the water of the Holy Spirit. And no better time 
Romans chapter 8, verse 16. Stepped on a landmine last week, but I really felt convicted by the Holy Spirit to bring forth this teaching and not go into verse 17 of Romans because this is a time of preparation before Passover, especially in light of the demonic, dark, oppressive spirits that are at work in the nations. We have to be aware and we need to come together in prayer groups to speak forth the edification prophetic words that Sophia, the mother, draws the people to. Our main questions, comments at all? Um, yes. Yes, we do. Um, one thing we'd like to mention is that, that uh, the Passover event in Texas will be in Gonzales, Texas. Once again, that's Gonzales, Texas. In Gonzales, Texas? Gonzales, Texas, yes. Okay. And we do have some questions. The first one I do have is, um, is there a filling of the, whole, of the Ruach or Holy Spirit where you speak in a different language? Is there a fit? So speaking in tongues, that's talking about speaking in tongues. I personally believe that speaking in tongues is, can be where you can be speaking in a language to somebody of the language of the nations that you don't know to be able to communicate. And I also believe that speaking in tongues is where you speak utterances that are not comprehended where you are literally bypassing your own thoughts and speaking to the Father to be able to prophesy into people's lives. So I believe that there's definite different applications. Could you go to um, Swaziland and speak Swahili if you're an English-speaking person and you've never spoken that language? Yes, I believe so. If you, Yahweh needed you to communicate with uh, a Zulu. I might be mixing up all my Africans there, but anyway, it's fun. Um, or, in another way, do I believe that if you have a word that you need to speak to a person prophetically, but you need to bypass your own thoughts and communicate directly with the Father so that the Spirit can give you utterances, then there's a speaking in tongues there that is not going to be recognizable. So, again, different applications for different times. So, good question, though. Why is it that sometimes uh, I feel as though that the Holy Spirit is not with me? Why? Um, why? Because I think that's the difference. Um, first and foremost, sanctification is the most important thing for drawing near to the Holy Spirit. When we defile ourselves with sinful thoughts, wicked imaginations, um, then there is a blocking of that companionship of the Holy Spirit. So you need to do, a, I would say, an inventory of your life, as we all do, as we all do. There's behaviors that we practice that put up barriers between us and the Holy Spirit. And we need to we need to change our behaviors to press in. Prayer, fasting, study, having a gentle, peaceable spirit. And I'm preaching to the choir here because I can be in the Word, pray, fast, but I run hot. 
And that's an area where is very, Yahweh uses it for great. But it's also an area in my life where I need to temper it and just sometimes just chill. Now my family's, you know, as my kids are growing, they kind of have this little joke when I kind of get a little bit zealous. They all come out, they all pile on me and they kind of make fun of me and it, and it kind of disarms me, you know. So they're kind of figuring things out. But I need to work with these things too, as we all do, because these can be hindrances when we need to press into the Holy Spirit. Another question? Yes, I do. Um, let's see. How do you equate the feminine aspects for the rock when Acts 2.17 says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people? I think it's Acts 2.17. Yeah. Well, that's the plural ekad. It's the father, the mother, and the son. When he pours out his spirit, he's pouring out his Holy Spirit, which is the female aspect of, as you would say in the English, the Godhead. But I prefer to call it the plurality of the Echad, going back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. It's still feminine. Will you consider doing a seminar in the future on Sophia for us? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd love to. You know, quite honestly, um, there was a time maybe five years ago when we uh, at Torah to the Tribes, when there, this was something that was really pressed on me for maybe a, a year. And quite honestly, when you start getting into the Holy Spirit and then you start putting that into action in the assembly, it causes division. Because you're going to have some people that are like, oh, I don't believe in speaking in tongues. Oh, I don't believe in demon possession. Then you've got other people that do. And, then, and, it, and so, you know, you have to have a mature audience to be ready. I'll facilitate it. I would love to see more people moving in the Holy Spirit. I would love to see it. But I don't want to see us turn into a Pentecostal group um, barking like dogs either. So, you know, there has to be biblical balance and it has to come from a Torah perspective. But I do believe that we need to um, look into that. Those of you that are interested, if you go to our About page on Torah to the Tribes and you look under my resources, there is a book that I would highly recommend and it is Receiving the Holy Spirit Today. Um, and it is on the web page. And that is the best book I have read on the Holy Spirit. It is a very balanced, scripturally based understanding of the guiding of the Holy Spirit. Now, does the author understand and use the female personage? No. But their um, explanation of the text is very, very solid. Yes. Okay, another one. Um, John fourteen sixteen to 18, Yahushua promises, I will pray the Father and he will give you a helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth. Who is truth? That's the Holy Spirit. Again, you've got the translation there, the translators taking it and, and translating it into a male, and that's the big problem. It's she, female. Well, Yahushua says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. But we also know that the Holy Spirit testifies to all truth. Again, is Yahuwah truth? Yes. Is the mother truth? 
Yes, it's the Torah truth. Yes, it's all part of the compound unity. And then the commands that then come out of the house and go to the nations, are they truth? Because everything goes back into the house. It's a reflection of the household. And that's the simplicity of it as we mature in the word. It's these big building blocks that break through doctrines and theologies that make it simple. Because at the end of the day, it's for the children. I think some of the biggest revelations that I've had have been huge paradigm shifts. Big building blocks that then you can drill down into your own time. But it's those big building blocks of understanding that really help you frame your um, studies in the scripture. Another question. One more. Have you ever seen anyone speak in a different language? Oh, yeah, all the time. I mean, I used to travel over Europe all the time as a kid. I've seen a Frenchman, you know. I was down and got some sushi the other day. I was crying out loud. The chef was going at it. But um, you're talking about in the Holy Spirit realm. No. <laughs> so there's the translation, right? And then there's the transliteration. So, I mean, what I think I understand about transliteration is when... Um, they don't have a word in Greek to describe the word in Hebrew. So what they start doing is they're breaking it down by syllables, what sounds like this part of the word in Hebrew. We'll use what sounds like that part of the word in Greek, right? And they, they take the word apart, which is a transliteration, right? So you get the whole, uh, uh, how, you, how you might say, Yahawashah to Eos, you know, in, in Greek, and, and they, they break the word down in transliterations based upon what sounds the, the vocabulary provides in Greek when trying to get a Hebrew word. And that's how we end up with like Jesus out of what Latin was teaching Iusus or Ice was. So we gotta be uh, kind of aware of that. And I think I mean, it took me a long time to kind of learn that. There's a lot of, a lot of like trickiness. So there's the transliterations, and then there's translations. You know, and it could, I think it's little things like that actually cause our theology to go. Askew, yes, yes. yes. And I just kind of wanted to throw that out there, so we, we don't think, even when you use the word Jesus, we're not talking about Zeus. We're talking about the best language we got to use from Latin and from Greek. And what we got is Jesus, even though we know that the Jesus that America worships is not Yahawasha or Yahusha. You know, it's, it's a white guy kind of that has this bobblehead American personality to him. It, it may not be, you know, an African with white... And again, hair, there's you know? spirits that influence that yeah, kind of worship. And those are the spirits that are on this nation that are influencing. And that is not Yahweh, the one true living Elohim. You can't say in God we trust that they are trusting in Yahweh, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Because they're not. The ones that created the money were, in fact, occult Luciferians. If we go back, so we understand what they were doing. I mean, look at the, ar- the, ar- the architecture in Washington, D.C. That's another subject entirely. But, uh, yes. Uh, Matthew, we don't have any more questions, but we did want to bring up that 
Tonight we're having power issues in the building, and that's what oh. was going on. And we did actually have an interruption this evening, but we did. We are recording. We never stopped recording, so it, we will get that taken care of. What was the interruption? There was some power fluctuations in the building, and that's the same thing you were hearing up here. But really? The, we couldn't isolate it because they're not on UPSs, the microphones. So we did get everything recorded, and we have everything, but we just want to let the Internet audience know it will be up and the full complete so did they there. lose um transmission for about, a little bit about three minutes yes oh okay three or four minutes interesting interesting okay i thought it was my microphone and, yeah just make sure you hold the mic up because they can't hear matthew uh, mark three twenty eight. Um, can you turn to that and explain it to me please talk about blaspheming the holy spirit or dishonoring god or is there a separation between god and the spirit in that way or what does it mean to actually Dishonor God in the way that says blasphemy. Oh, right, right. Mark chapter 3, verse 28. Yes, Assuredly, I say to you, all who, all who sins, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they utter. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to internal, eternal condemnation. So the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit... The best example of what is when we see that in Scripture, and I think I spoke about that, when the Jews attributed the spirit that was in Yahusha, they called a demon. That was blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And the nation then came under a severe, strict judgment that ended up with the sacking of Jerusalem, the destruction of the corrupt priesthood, destruction of the temple, and exile into the nation, never as a nation to receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the revelation of the Son, and therefore access to the Father again. That was a judgment, and the prophecy was given there in the parable of the vineyard where he said that they would, he would then take the vineyard and give it to those of another nation. Talking about Jews, the Jews had blasphemed, therefore the inheritance which belongs to the Father, where it had the temple was the watchtower, now would be given to those in the nations that would receive the Holy Spirit the Son, and therefore have access to the Father. Yes, we have another question, apparently. I like it. No, I think that they want to get, get, get it on, the, because otherwise the internet audience can't partake of the uh, conversation. And that's quite popular, I think. Hang on one second. Here's a question, and then up front. Yep. In my short walk with Yeshua, I have an uncle that's really impressed by Watchman Nee and Jeannie Guyon, and he impresses that on me about the meditation of being in the spirit at, almost at will by an inner voice or inner quietness and meditation on scripture. Uh, I'm not sure about it, and I don't know about it. Um, I don't know what, if Watchman Nee? Watchman Nee and Jeannie Guyon. Yeah, um, I, I'm familiar with Watchman Nee, and um, I think that um, his writings and his, uh, his uh, are Spot on. Okay. Yeah, okay. so I, I wouldn't have a so problem So the with spirit that. is something that we can do ourselves, not like a wind ruach coming at us at Abba's will, but at our will? Yeah, by, by practicing and by breaking down those barriers. 
And um, I wouldn't mind maybe knowing if there are any resources from Watchman Nee about that. That would be interesting to read because um, I actually have several of his books at home I like to read. I should put those up on the watch, the reading list. Don. Um, thank you for being obedient to the spirit in teaching this, even though you had to put something else off. Yeah, it's that's not like not, me to do one verse of, 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 of Romans in a week. That's not easy to do when you're in this position. I want to thank you for thank being you, obedient. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, Baruch Hashem Yahweh, let's pray and blessings. Remember, one more week to sign up for the Passover. Info at TorahToTheTribes.com, Salem, Oregon. Where else? Texas. Gonzales, Texas. And whereabouts in Oklahoma? Tulsa. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay, Baruch Hashem Yahweh. Abba, we thank you for your guiding Holy Spirit. Abba, in these days, in these times, in this age, Abba, we need your Spirit to guide us, Abba. We need the sanctification and the leadership that only comes from your house, Yahweh. We are the children of Yahweh, and we ask, Father, draw us unto your house. Draw us unto your Son. Draw us unto repentance, that we may clean the house, Keep it clean that seven or eight more Shadim demons will not come back because we fill that house with your Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is Sophia, wisdom, Hokmah. And we thank you for the revelation that you have given us in your scriptures that we can have eyes to see. And we pray that you will blind the infidel, those that would come against your gospel message, those that would try and harm your people. And we pray this in Yahusha's mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.